0: Welcome to another episode of Bakari Sellers Podcast. Today, we have a friend of the show, my brother, one of the smartest people in politics. Um, I actually love this dude with all my heart, none other than Terrence Woodbury. What's going on, my brother? What's up, Bakari Sellers? Thanks for having me on again, man. Oh, man, I'm glad you are here. I'm glad we were able to connect. There's so much to talk about in politics, and you know the ins and outs, the ups and downs. And by the way, I love that degree behind you. You paid your fines and fees off. <laughs> Listen, I'll,
1: I'll be paying. I'll be paying for that Morales College degree for quite a while, unless we a <laughs> Unless you can convince our president to do something about these loans, I'm still paying my fines and fees for that degree. (laughs) Shout
0: out to my wife, Ellen, who helped me pay mine off. I can't even lie to you. Uh, You've been on the show before, but can you remind listeners how you got into the work that you do around public opinion and polling and what keeps you doing this work, specifically the work of measuring and helping people understand the opinions of black voters?
1: Uh, absolutely, Bukari. So, you know, I, I've been in electoral politics for um, my entire career, starting off at, at Morehouse, working in the state legislature with some little known legislators there, you know, a, a, a state rep named Stacey Abrams and a, and a state senator named Kasim Reed. But, <laughs> <laughs> but throughout my, my my time in politics, I used to joke that I, I worked every job in politics but the candidate. I leave that to folks like you, man. Um, but but throughout my time in politics, I kept noticing that everything deferred back to the polling data. What did the numbers say? The calm strategy, the field strategy, everything was deferring back to the polling. So I wanted to know who was behind the, that polling curtain. And when I looked back, there, I didn't see a lot of people that looked like us, man. And that, that was that was affecting, you know, who is represented, how they're represented. And, and we wanted to start his strategies to make sure that we were reflecting the opinions of uh, committees that are often just underrepresented or misrepresented. So let's talk
0: about the the errors that you saw, the the big errors we saw in 2016, and some of the smaller errors we saw in 2020. How does that affect your work today?
1: You know, in, in 2016 we were, <clears throat> I, I was polling at another firm, and I, I started seeing the, uh, the 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 erosion of younger voters, of voters of color, and many of them claiming that they were either not going to vote or going to vote third party. And when we started raising the red flag about that we had a lot of experts in the field tell us young people are not going to stand in line and waste their vote voting third party. Uh, and so, you know, we, we started trusting our instincts on, on when we saw these things in the numbers, uh, things that seemed irregular, things that seemed out of the ordinary, we trust those instincts and we trust what these voters are telling us. And so in 2020, when we started hearing from men of color, their cynicism and frustration towards Democrats, we started raising a red flag that there could be some erosion here amongst men of color. Thankfully, Joe Biden was able to put together a very different coalition than Barack Obama, a coalition that involved, that included a lot more white men and a lot more white seniors. (laughs) But we're not not running Scranton, Joe, up and down the ballot in the midterm this time. So we're going to have to reclaim those men of color for Democrats to be successful. Talk
0: about that. Talk about those two different coalitions with me, if you don't mind. Talk about what Barack Obama's coalition looked like versus Joe Biden's coalition.
1: Absolutely. So Barack Obama was able to expand the electorate. 13% of voters that voted for Barack Obama had never voted before. That was a lot of young people. The electorate was uh, 7% younger than it was uh, uh, prior to him running. But it also also, uh, involved him uh, uh, attracting a coalition of multiracial voters uh, consolidating black voters, winning 92, 93, sometimes 96% of black voters. Uh, and, and, and Joe Biden put together a different coalition, one where in fact, Joe Biden didn't do better with, with voters of color. In fact, the only uh, demographic that Joe Biden did better with were white men and white seniors and suburban white women. Uh, and, but, but he knew that you know going into the, into the election, I think the, the Biden campaign knew that he would do better than Hillary Clinton did with white, with white men, and better than Hillary Clinton did with white seniors. And so he was able to win with, uh, with 89 and 91, and I'm sorry, 87 or 88% of, of, black, of black voters. But that's not going to work for the Democrats that are running in 2022. Democrats have put forth a very diverse slate of candidates. Black, you know, a black woman in North Carolina, black woman in Florida, potentially a black man in Wisconsin running for Senate. Uh, And of course, uh, the historic candidacies in Georgia, those voters are going to need the Obama coalition, the 96 percent of black voters, 80 percent of Latino voters, uh, because they're not going to do better than Scranton Joe did with white men and white seniors. Before we delve into some of the focus groups you've been
0: doing recently and your take on the 22 elections, how it's shaping up, I've got to talk guns and schools and black folk based upon the work that you've done. So. Um, The reality in Congress is we need 10 Republicans to do anything. Um, And particularly, we have two Democrats that ain't necessarily worth a damn. That's me saying it, not you. What does your polling tell you about how people feel about the filibuster? And is there any evidence in polling you do uh, that you've seen or that you've seen that would suggest that independents want to keep this rule when it comes uh, to keeping so many things we want from happening?
1: You know some of these archaic uh, uh, levers within our our democracy are, are less familiar to to many voters, but they also uh, are, are are a cause of their frustration, things like filibuster, like the electoral college that they can't always describe and explain, but when they when when they when they begin to or even like gerrymandering, right these like <laughs> archaic uh, 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 levers that control our democracy that are preventing voters uh, from seeing the kind of progress that they want. And so when they express frustration and cynicism, they may not be naming filibuster, but they do understand that, uh, that hyper-partisanship and gridlock yeah. is, is preventing us from, from, from achieving uh, policies that overwhelming majorities of Americans support, including, you know, 71, I'm sorry, 68% of Americans that support banning assault rifles and so uh, are, are in 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 some way limiting the access to assault rifles, and so you know that there, there, this this frusti- There is going to have to be a, a, a small d democratic reform that that makes our politics more accessible, but also make just makes it make sense to people, man. Because I, I tell you, I have a hard time explaining filip- filibuster, gerrymandering, and electoral college uh, to to voters that don't read the Washington Post every day or listen to your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> In any of the polling
0: you've seen are done, is there a line on guns uh, that even Republican-leaning voters, when uh, when crossed, they'd be willing to support sensible gun reform? And what's that line? If it's not babies dying, what is it?
1: You know, Bakari, uh, we have to. When I say we, I mean, Democrats are going to have to find a better way to indict Republicans on issues that Republicans on the on policies that they're on the wrong side of the overwhelming majority of, of Americans. Uh, policies like banning assault rifles, where where more than 68 percent of Americans support limiting access to assault rifles, but 71 percent of Americans support, uh, and I know we're going to get to to abortion, but support uh, uh, legalizing abortion, at least some cases. And the problem is that we know that the American public is on our side, but we haven't driven public opinion against uh, Republicans that are on the wrong side of these issues, and so they don't lose a single point of approval rating by not including assault rifles in what could be a, a historic uh, um, gun safety bill. They mm-hmm. don't lose a point for being on the wrong side of abortion. The Republicans aren't losing points because Democrats aren't indicting them. And and you know I'm a gun owner myself. I have a CWP. I took my my CWP
0: class with Nikki Haley. Can you unpack the opinions you've seen from Black voters
1: on gun? Uh, you know, uh, black gun ownership is increasing rapidly. It has been since 2016. There's a correlation. I'm not. I don't know what the causation was, but the, but the correlation was in 2016 when when uh, when racial rhetoric and 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 discourse and division uh, when overt expressions of white supremacy became more prevalent, we we also started to see a, a, a higher uh, a higher rate of, of black gun ownership. But those black gun owners still overwhelmingly support common sense gun reform and gun safety laws. They overwhelmingly support uh, uh, policies that make it harder um, uh, that 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 make it harder for the wrong people to access guns. And so, uh, black voters, you know, they have expectations of Democrats on these issues, mm-hmm. and, uh, and 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 are acutely aware of the role that they played um, uh, delivering both chambers of congress and the white house and they're and they're expecting more progress on these issues. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going
0: up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, you get 30, ready get 20 20, 20 you get 20, 20 you get 15 15, 15 15, just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 upfront for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Let's talk about the focus group work that you've done uh, recently with black voters. I want to play a clip from an April 2022 focus group you did with black voters that captures a sentiment we're hearing at the highest levels I've heard in my career, where black voters now in particular post-2020 feel like they're taken for granted by the Democratic Party uh, a party that needs their vote but doesn't deliver on the promises. And you've had some buyer's remorse around uh, Joe Biden. We will play, Donnie will play the clip, April 2022 focus group with Black base voters.
1: Well, things are getting done, inflation, gas prices. Um, it just seemed like um, the little people, the people that are on the bottom. It seems like um, we're being tossed to the wayside.
0: Terrence, how concerned are you, uh, about not only the infrequent black voters staying home in 22, but some black b- base voters staying home because of what they feel are broken promises uh, being taken for granted and buyer's remorse from 2020.
1: Uh, I think we should be very concerned. You know, In 2020, we began measuring the correlation between perceptions of power and political participation. And, and what that meant was we, we asked a question in, in, in many of our polls, uh, and, and, it, and it reflects exactly what we heard in that focus group, we asked the question, regardless of how often you vote, how much power do you think your vote has to make a difference in your community? Mm. And in and and, 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 and 2020, 73% of black voters in Georgia, we'll just take Georgia as an example, 73% of black voters said they felt extremely powerful. Now the correlation was that uh, 71% of black voters in Georgia voted. And so we, we, we began measuring this direct correlation, the higher the, the, the more likely they were to say that their vote had power to make a difference in their community, the more likely they were to vote. Well, that seems like common sense, Bakari, but, 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 but a lot of folks weren't measuring some of these gaps. And what we've seen since 2020 is in the same state of Georgia where 73% of Black voters said they felt extremely powerful, now just 46% of Black voters say they feel extremely powerful. If that correlation holds, that correlation of turnout and, and, and perceptions of power, and we see erosion in turnout uh, of 25 or 30 points amongst Black voters, and that is possible from a general election to a midterm, then, 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 then Democrats don't have a chance in, in a state like Georgia, Pennsylvania, or Nevada. Uh,
0: unpack those states for me, though, while you go through there, because one of the things I wanted to, my next question, and you just hit on it, so I apologize for, for chiming in, but explain to people where these voters actually matter, because people are like, okay, Black folk are staying at home, that shit don't matter, but tell, tell me where that really matters.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, let, let's stay on Georgia, where we're almost half of Democratic votes are from black voters. And, and we've seen this type of uh, we've seen this type of diversity, this rapid diversification in Sunbelt states uh, across some of the some of the some of the, uh, uh, the Southwest. But in most of the states where we've seen this rapid diversification it is because of a diverse coalition, a multiracial coalition where half of Democratic voters come from people of color. Well, in Georgia, half of Democratic voters are coming from black people, not just people of color. Uh, and, and so in a state that was decided in 2020 by about 10,000 votes, we like to say, Georgia, in, in some of our, our Georgia messaging, that Georgia was decided by three grady high schools. You know, just to put into perspective just how small these margins are. That's hilarious. It took me a minute to catch it, but I got it. Okay. <laughs> Three Grady High Schools determined the direction of the nation, you know, not just the direction of Georgia. Georgia, Joe Biden and, and Warnock and, and, and Ossoff winning Georgia determined the direction of the nation. And so we do have a lot of work to do to, to connect Black voters to the progress that is being made. And we've, we've got some recent research that shows that quite a bit of progress has been made on a Black agenda. They just don't know about it. That's actually, we,
0: we're terrible communicators. That dates back to Obama's time. You had another focus group on role that I wanted to share. We'll play watch, watch young Democratic voters react to role reversal in real time. I think there's going to be a much higher rate of women harming themselves now trying to do their own abortions or trying to find random people to do these abortions like they used to do before 1973. Who do you think will be affected or the most impacted by this? Low income women or people of color. Have uteruses; they're going to be the ones that suffer the most. From the polling you've seen and done, and focus groups, what will be the electoral impact of reversing Roe? And what do you what? And that, and to what extent do you see this opinion energizing infrequent Democratic-leaning voters, or do you think other issues like gas prices and inflation energize voters more?
1: Uh, yeah. So this was this is fascinating. We were actually in focus groups the day that the leak. Uh, as the leak was, was happening. Um, we, we host quite a bit of focus groups. You know, we did 10 groups last night, just to give an idea of the the, um, the volume of focus groups that we're doing to keep our pulse on the uh, rapidly evolving opinion of some of these voters. Especially, you know, the opinions that are evolving the fastest are the folks that don't pay attention as much. Those are the opinions that are more volatile. Those are the folks that don't have built-in barometers for what they should think as a Democrat or should think as a Republican, right? And so when when we're in the in these focus groups with some of these infrequent voters, they were, in fact, shocked uh, when we when we announced the leak. They didn't believe it was true. Um, But once they processed what was happening, there was a a palpable frustration and uh, and an anger. But but what concerns me is that Republicans, again, have not paid, have not paid a price for the for 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 their position on uh, for criminalizing a woman's right to choose. And in fact, Republicans have not lost a single approval point since this leak, since, since the, the, the Roe leak. And so I, I don't know if it will, mob- I know that it can mobilize base voters, but I don't know if it will, unless Democrats figure out a way to lean into these culture wars, to indict Republicans for being on the wrong side of these issues, and then to actually uh, have an affirming message that mobilizes uh, base voters that are extremely, extremely concerned about these issues. I know Black voters have a nuanced view on abortion.
0: Do you see in Black focus groups and polling this role repeal activating Black voters, particularly infrequent Black voters?
1: Uh, it absolutely could, especially, especially young voters um, where, where, the, where the opinions are not that nuanced. The overwhelming majority amongst young Black voters, black, young Black men and young Black women, overwhelmingly support a woman's right to choose by 80% plus. And so it's it's not that nuanced there, <clears throat> but they are not watching the uh, they're not as engaged, especially you know lo- uh, less likely, lower propensity, first time 2020 voters that we got to get back out here. They're not they're not following the the progression of uh, of Supreme Court clerks that are that are finalizing drafts and uh, and but what they do know is that Democrats control Congress and that Democrats control the White House and that Democrats. Uh, should have the power to codify and protect the woman's right to choose. And so while Republicans have not paid the price for the leak, Democrats are at risk of paying a price for not defending it. <clears throat> and again, we, we know there's some structural barriers here. We know the you know, filibuster and, uh, and other structural barriers. But, I, but, but as I mentioned, Bakari, those are not levers that are as familiar to, to, to less likely voters. And so they, they're expecting Democrats to use the power that, that they that they have in Washington to protect the woman's right to choose, but we do have to do more to mobilize them uh, and, and and to be a part of this of this defense. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about
0: everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices one of my last questions for you is, so what should Democrats be doing right now to address that enthusiasm gap to mobilize these voters? What does it look like?
1: So we've been testing a message, Bakar, that has proven quite effective uh, at re-engaging some of these voters. And it's a message of unfinished business, that Black voters, that Democratic voters, that the multiracial coalition uh, that, that surged in 2020 has unfinished business in 2022. And that that's a two-sided message. Uh, one side of that unfinished business is that we have is that we, we defeated Trump in 2020, but we haven't defeated Trumpism. That we have to reassemble that anti-maga coalition um, <clears throat> uh, around around the, that that one unifying cause that many of them uh, that many of them rally for, and that was defeating Trump. Well, we know from January 6th Commission uh, that that if Republicans win in 2022, they will reinstall Trump in 2024, regardless of how these votes, uh, of how votes, of how votes are casted. And so that's really different than telling folks that if Republicans win and they're going to govern like Trump or they're going to act like Trump. No, explicitly putting his ass back on the ballot and saying that they will reinstall Trump. Not they're going to act like him. They're going to make the guy president again. That's their only agenda is reinstalling Trump. But the other side of unfinished business, Bakari, because for many of these voters, it's not enough to give them somebody to vote against. We got to give them something to vote for. Correct. And so the other side of unfinished business is that we've made progress on a Black agenda, on a progressive agenda, on a Democratic agenda, but not enough. And that requires us to first take take credit for the progress of, of the last two years before we make promises over the next two years. And we have found, man, that, There has been overwhelming progress on every issue that Black voters have expressed uh, a priority around. That that in fact they have banned no knock, you know. When we look at criminal justice reform, the administration has banned no knock warrants and banned chokeholds and established a a federal registry for police misconduct uh, and uh, you know established the George Floyd executive order. Those were the demands of the movement. Check 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 check. They're happening. You know it's not enough. We still got work to do, but it's happening. And that's what we got to remind voters that that not because Joe Biden saved them or because Democrats saved them, but because they voted, shit is getting better.
0: Last question for you. What what uh, what races are you paying attention to in 2022? What what is going to be the thing that kind of, you know, we do this for a living and there's certain things that get us going. What is what are those races?
1: Uh, so there's a, obviously we are involved in quite a bit of these races. So, uh, in, trans, in transparency, I won't, I won't name candidates, but I'll name a few States. Uh, and obviously it's Georgia. We are, I, you know, you, you, you see the degree over my shoulder, man. We got it. We got a spell house, uh, a spell house, uh, uh, a mission at hand in Georgia with, with Stacy and whatnot, but I'm also looking at Wisconsin and Pennsylvania, uh, and Nevada to really determine the, 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 composition of Congress, who controls Congress, and to to determine if Democrats can hold the Senate. Man, I'll tell you, Michigan has gotten a little bit crazy over the past few weeks. If you're... you're... Oh, my God. I mean, the Michigan (laughs) gubernatorial... I mean,
0: everybody's either arrested or didn't qualify.
1: It's it's getting a little wild in in Michigan, but that's also why, you know, uh, on a final note, man, I just want to encourage your listeners not to believe this this defeatist, fatalist... uh, uh, um, Rhetoric that that this is a foregone conclusion, that Republicans win the House and Republicans win the Senate, that that historic precedent uh, that that the governing party always loses seats. Well, well, we are in a very unprecedented moment uh, where where there are. Twenty eight million more voters in the Democratic voters in the electorate than there were in 2016. Wow. Wow. Twenty eight million. But here's the interesting thing, Ricard, 23 million of them were first-time voters in 2018. The surge started in 2018. They're midterm voters. If we just turned out the 23 million new voters from 2018, then Democrats win this thing and, and hold the House and the Senate. And so there's some unprecedented advantages that we have. There's some unprecedented disadvantages, but we got a lot of work to do, and we can take advantage of Republican that, you know, the chaos crazy thing is. All-
0: all Republicans have to do, I mean, excuse me, all Democrats have to do is win the state. Joe Biden won, and we'll be at 52 senators. That's the crazy That's thing about it. Anyway, Terrence, how can people follow you
1: and hit strategies? Uh, please follow us on Twitter. Hit Strat is always, always releasing data, focus group clips, just information about where the electorate is. You can follow us on Twitter at hitstrat, H-I-T-S-T-R-A-T, or you can follow me. I talk a lot of crap on, my Twitter, on Twitter, too. It's T underscore Woodbury. Uh, we would love to keep on keep on sharing what we're learning.
0: My brother, you're one of the smartest people in the business. Thank you for joining the Bakari Sellers Podcast, Terrence Woodbury, and Hit Strategies. Thank you, my brother.
1: Thank you so much, brother. See you next time.